I'm Alexander Heffner, your host on The Open Mind. I'm delighted to welcome our guest today. He is editor of the Nevada Independent, John Rostad. Thanks so much for your time today. My pleasure. Uh, John, Nevada has become a center of attention for the president's attempts to delegitimize the vote. Um, how much do you think that will prevail over these next, you know, this next month and so to, to kind of make Nevada the center of delegitimizing the election for, for Donald Trump? Well, he's continuing to uh, say things that just aren't true about the election uh, here. Uh, he has repeated over and over again that the governor, who was a Democrat, controls the ballots. He has repeated over and over again that there is no signature verification, which is simply not true. Uh, the Trump campaign uh, and the Republican Party sued the state uh, over uh, the election here, and they lost that lawsuit, but that has not stopped Trump and his uh, allies from continuing to try to do, as you say, delegitimize the election here in advance. And do, do you anticipate that campaign to delegitimize to continue through election day and, and perhaps beyond election day? I'm afraid so. And it's, I have to tell you, as somebody who's covered politics for three and a half decades, it's very distressing uh, to me to see uh, uh, someone try to undermine the integrity of an election, uh, especially in a place where elections have been conducted without any real hiccups beyond the obvious long lines, et cetera. Uh, and all the time that I've been here, the election officials in Nevada are some of the best in the country, but that doesn't matter uh, to, 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 to the president and his allies. They, they are going to make it seem like a law that was passed in a special session of the legislature uh, a couple of months ago that, allow, that allows uh, mail ballots to be sent to all active voters as being a scam, a hoax, whatever uh, noun he chooses of the day. And he, I assume he will keep saying it uh, uh, from now until, as you say, election day and beyond. John, when do the, those absentee or mail ballots uh, begin being counted in Nevada? Well, uh, they begin being processed, and, I, and let me just explain the difference here. Two weeks out from election day, they can begin processing them. That doesn't mean that they're going to start releasing the results, uh, but the law that they pass says they can begin doing it two weeks before uh, election day. The ballots themselves are, are going to go out in the most populous county, Clark County, that's Las Vegas, where about 70% of the vote is on October 7th. Uh, they, they can start processing them two weeks before uh, November 3rd or, 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 the, or the 19th. So uh, the, the bottom line is, is that they're not going to be putting up results. They're not going to be partial results, but they will start putting them through uh, uh, the, the processing so they can, so they don't have to count all of the votes. There will be probably 1.3, 1.4 million votes cast in Nevada. It, given what you're describing, it, it makes Nevada um, perhaps able to project an outcome or count more ballots than a state that would accept new ballots coming in after election day. And therefore, if Nevada has a result in 24 or 48 hours after November 3rd, it will be less easy to delegitimize. Do you think it's 
likely or plausible that there will be a clear outcome in Nevada within 24 hours uh, after election day? I don't know the answer to that question, and nobody does. Uh, listen, Biden is a slight favorite here, but Hillary Clinton only won the state by two and a half points. And, and there, uh, there, there are some reasons to believe that a significant number of votes uh, will, not be will not be counted on uh, uh, the, the night of November 3rd. Uh, they can still count the ballots after after November third for a week, but uh, they, they we don't know how many people are going to send their ballots in late. Are going to are going to mail them in on the second or the third? Th those will all count, of course. But uh, also uh, 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 in Nevada, for the first time, is same day registration, uh, and that and that is certainly going to cause some consternation and perhaps gum up the works. Uh, and, and slow down the entire election process on November 3rd. So it's possible that there will be a clear leader uh, on, on the night of November 3rd, and, and, and no matter how many votes are left, it won't matter, but it's way too early to know that now. And based on the issues that you find at your publication to be most salient in the minds of, of voters in Nevada, um, what what percent of folks uh, is still undecided and, and what's making them undecided still? You know, it, it, the polling indicates that, you know, anywhere from uh, eight to 10, maybe even 12% of voters are undecided. That is somewhat hard to believe, uh, all things considered. But uh, I think that because Nevada was disproportionately hit by the pandemic, because the governor here, who is a Democrat, uh, has has ha gotten a lot of criticism for how he has conducted uh, the, the the both the healthcare and economic aspects of the pandemic. The Republicans have tried to pull voters away from Joe Biden by substituting the governor as 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 a representative of the Democratic Party. How much impact that will have is 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 unclear. But clearly, in the front of everyone's mind here is the highest unemployment rate in the country. The fact that so many people have lost have lost their jobs, jobs that may never return. And that's a big deal. And who they blame for that, Trump or the governor, is going to be have a big impact on the election, I think. Is there any polling detail suggesting who they do blame? Trump's numbers from all of the polling I have seen here are lower than Governor Steve Sisolak's, however, and by about, you know, 10 points or so. However, Sisolak's numbers have dropped dramatically since the pandemic. Uh, he is not uh, uh, underwater, so to speak, the way that Trump is. Trump is about 10, 12, maybe even 15 points underwater uh, here, but his numbers have dropped and the Republicans have done a fairly skillful job in making him the face of the economic collapse here. Uh, how that plays out by election day, I think is still uh, un unclear and it'll depend on, the, on, on both the Democratic and Republican campaigns and how effective they are. It has been documented that the Biden campaign has not focused on door knocking and, and canvassing um, as a health precaution and uh, to protect communities. Um, whereas um, the Trump folks are still knocking on doors and doing in-person campaigning. In Nevada specifically, it, would, would it give you pause to be, you know, in the Biden camp and um, undertaking a strategy that doesn't rely on real, you know, caucusing, real canvassing, real, you know, door-to-door -door activity? 
It's been a real problem for the Democrats here up until recently. Uh, and and uh, let me tell you how it usually works. The Democratic machine here is one of the most formidable in the country, built under the stewardship of former Senator Harry Reid. It's the reason, or most of the reason, that Barack Obama won the state twice and Hillary Clinton won. They are able to register so many more voters and turn out so many, so many more voters during the two weeks of early voting that they bank so many votes uh, in Clark County, Las Vegas, that it doesn't matter what the Republicans do on election day. Since the pandemic hit almost about six months ago, the Democratic machine essentially shut down while the Republicans, as you mentioned, to some extent were still out in the field. So the Democrats have not really lost that much ground, but they haven't done what they usually do, which is build up that formidable lead. I think that gives Republicans some hope. For, for some perspective, though, the Democrats still have a double-digit lead in voter registration in Clark County, and so they will still be able to bank a lot of votes and, and create uh, what has been commonly known as the firewall uh, in Southern Nevada. But it, it, it clearly has hurt the Democrats not being out in the field. The registration numbers show that. Until recently, uh, they were essentially not in the field. They're back now, including the very important culinary union, which represents about 60,000 casino workers and is now out there running what uh, they are calling its lar their largest political program ever. That's important because the culinary is, is about half Latino and the Latino vote is very, very critical in Nevada and has been the last three cycles. Speaking now outside of Nevada specifically, uh, the, the debates are, are coming up uh, and we anticipate uh, Vice President Biden and President Trump to debate this week. Um, what would you be looking at uh, broadly and then specifically from the Nevada angle um, to say, you know, the, the debate resonated in, in this way? Yeah, it's hard to tell, right? It's, it's very unpredictable. Trump is unpredictable. Biden has been shaky at times. So we don't know how that all is, is, is going to go. Uh, but I do think that the issue that I, I referred to earlier, uh, uh, the coronavirus in Nevada, uh, the, the, the economy in Nevada, I think uh, with people here very, very upset about the impact here economically, uh, whether Trump can, can essentially uh, try to absolve himself of blame as he has tried to do and do that in an effective manner may have uh, an impact here and how well Biden presses the case that Trump is mostly responsible for what has occurred in Nevada and in the country. I, I think that that is the kind of debate uh, point that will resonate here with a lot of people. And how do you think the Supreme Court nomination and uh, the vacancy that is now being filled by a uh, conservative uh, for Justice Ginsburg's seat, um, how, how do you think that plays, um, you know, specifically knowing Senator Reid's um, role in the Senate? And, um, you know, we there, there, of course, is the, the Monday morning quarterbacking of, of nuking the, the filibuster for the, you know, procedure of, of uh, 60 plus votes for judges. But do, do you think that, that uh, any of that uh, really is, is part of the backdrop or context of, of this election or, you know, or, or, or voters there looking at 
the pandemic is still the central issue. You know, I, I hate to speculate without at least some data to, to bolster that speculation. I haven't seen any polling on it, and, and I don't like to go off of social media activity, but clearly it is going to be an issue here. You know, by the way, Senator Reid has consistently said, and I've asked him about it too, that he does not regret uh, what, what he did, but I'm sure that others do in, in terms of nuking uh, the filibuster. Uh, listen, uh, Nevada uh, is going to react to, 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 to the nomination and, 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 and whether or not the confirmation comes before or after the election. It's going to affect how people vote, or at least how some people vote. But there's just no data because it's so fresh for me to get a sense of how much in terms of the the history of Reed and and his being, you know, like you said, the boss tweet of the democratic machinery in the state, um, do you think that voters feel like with his absence in the United States Senate um, that there have been some material changes to the to the support system for the state in some of the federal monies or funding um, that have been lacking uh, perhaps since his retirement? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's been incremental, but uh, we have two uh, 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 senators now. They're both Democrats, so they're in the minority, and they're also, they've, one has been there uh, since 2016, and the other has been there since 2018, so they have no seniority, nothing like the influence that Reed was able to wield. Of course, he climbed the rungs of power and, and got into the highest level uh, of authority and influence in the Senate, which greatly helped a small state like Nevada, and even Republicans here would acknowledge that. But uh, uh, Catherine Cortez Masto and Jackie Rosen, no matter how good senators they, 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 they are or, or become, cannot wield that kind of influence because they're not in leadership, they have no seniority, and of course, they're in the minority party. And do you think that in light of this, you know, the, the, there's evidence that the congressional elections in, in Nevada will, will, you know, continue to be impacted by the feeling as though, you know, that there is not the support, the same support for the state. And, and if, it, if it didn't have that reaction in, in um, 2016 or 2018, how, how do you expect maybe the 2020 uh, midterms to um, comport with um, the, the decline of federal or national influence? You know, I think polling in the past, and, and, and I think it's probably going to be true in the future, is that voters don't really think about the issue of a, a state's influence uh, in Washington, D.C. As, as a reason to vote for a senator or a president or even a, a member of the House. They're based on many other concerns, whether it's the economy, healthcare, immigration, as opposed to vote for this person uh, to give you more influence in DC, especially as the reputation of DC has declined uh, in the last decade or two decades, whatever time frame uh, you, want, you want to use. I just don't think it's a very potent issue uh, to use and and Reed tried to use it in some of his elections, and even his people would admit that it didn't really help him that much. Let me ask you because you've 
covered politics astutely for the years that you mentioned, not to date or retire you, John. Um, you, you are a master class in political analysis. What's the best play for the Democrats in what is expected to be a clear nomination, um, whether it's 50 votes or 51, 50 plus the VP, to confirm uh, Amy Coney Barrett? It seems like it's a fait accompli at this point. And, and uh, if you were advising strategically Democrats and how to behave at this point, do they participate in hearings or meetings? Do they um, engage on any of the issues of her resume specifically? Do they make this strictly about no nomination before the confirmation and the consequence of a new justice who is against the ACA, who's against um, you know, separation of church and state, or who's against voting rights perhaps in, in connection with um, Trump's uh, desire for the court to validate his uh, reelection even if the voters say no? Um, what are the best plays now in these coming days? Yeah, I, I tend not, never to put myself in the position of, of, of trying to advise uh, politicians or, or political parties, but I, I will tell you that I think some of the issues you, you mentioned and uh, the issue of Roe versus Wade uh, are, are going to be the, 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 the uh, fulcrum for, for, for what the Democrats do, and they'll use some of these as pressure points, especially uh, Roe versus Wade. Uh, now, that, that, that is a double-edged sword for them because it could also activate evangelicals and the religious right in a way that they may not uh, be now, and some of them may be having buyer's remorse about Trump. Doesn't mean they're going to vote for Biden, but it means that they, they may not vote, which, which, which will hurt uh, Trump. I, I think the issue of pushing the confirmation past Election Day, which a majority uh, in most of the polling I've shown believe is the right thing to do, is just not something that's going to be top of mind. It's going to be what does putting uh, a Barrett on the court do on, on, on a variety of issues and maybe especially uh, abortion and maybe especially if the election is thrown into chaos what will the Supreme Court do? Which I do think uh, more and more people are starting to think about. The Supreme Court is is really only an issue in elections uh, to, to, to uh, in great numbers, hardcore activists. That may be different uh, this time because of some of these issues, including those two very prominent ones, I think. Right. And, you know, it, it may be that the debates have the effect and in, in the entertainment and stagecraft and choreography, you know, the, as they become the center of attention, that deflects from the nomination and the beginning of that process, because you have four debates. Um, you have three presidential, one vice presidential debate. And you know, the, the nomination will inevitably come up. It will be discussed in the first debate, according to Chris Wallace's de designated topics. Um, but the debates are going to be about more than than the Supreme Court and this nomination. And, and I would think if you're Vice President Biden, the debates are gonna be focused on healthcare and, and the COVID failures more than anything else. Um, having watched gubernatorial and, and presidential debates, uh, is there anything that you think Biden uh, and Trump or, or even the voters uh, should have learned from the, the 2016 debates that would be applicable in, in analyzing these upcoming debates? You know, it's an interesting question because uh, most of the polling showed after the debates in 2016 that Trump lost every debate, 
and he still won the election, uh, of course. So uh, will they be more important this time than, than last? I think they will be for, for, for a variety of different reasons. But what's really going to be interesting, uh, and, and I, I know that some people don't, don't like this, but the, the influence of the moderators are going to be very important because of the way that Trump behaves during debates. He just says things, and then if he's called on him, he will move into the next thing. And, and, and if he's not telling the truth, he will be called on it and then move into the next one. How much uh, for instance, in the first one, Chris Wallace can stop that from happening if Biden does not, is going to be very, very interesting to watch. But another issue, you mentioned that maybe the nomination won't be a focus in, in, in these debates. I think that the game that the Republicans are going to play, and this is actually very smart, is they are going to try to pin Biden down on who he will uh, nominate to the Supreme Court should there be a vacancy since, as you know, Trump has come up with this list of 20 people and, 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 and Barrett was on that. Uh, any names he mentioned, if they have any quote unquote baggage, uh, are going to be a, 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 attached immediately to Biden. He doesn't want to name uh, anybody. So the pressure on him by Wallace, by Trump, to do that is going to be very interesting uh, to watch whether uh, he can uh, get out of that or whether he will have to name some people between now and the election and whether that will be a net benefit or, 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 or a, a net negative is, could have an impact on the election. And he also has to be watchful of how he responds to the question about court expansion because he has very, very incrementally acknowledged that it's legitimate. I mean, that's specifically the word he used. It's a legitimate question in his most recent public statement. He doesn't want to alienate um, the, the folks who are concerned that it's, it's a drastic uh, measure forward. He doesn't want to alienate the people who are dead set on uh, expansion or terms uh, to be enacted for the court. Um, he, he wants to keep, keep it open. Um, and he presumably will have both language on potential nominees and language on how, if this nomination is confirmed, the, the court will not be representative of the American people. I think that's probably true, but how effectively Biden can can execute that message, I think, is in question. He's not always the best messenger. But I'll say something else. Again, you've seen polling in the past. If you ask most Americans how many members of the Supreme Court they are, they wouldn't be able to tell you. And so I don't think they're going to care that much, but they, they, they do see uh, the, 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 the courts, the judiciary having become a, 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 a affected by partisan politics way too much. And some will say, listen, if the Republicans are going to do this, they didn't allow Merrick Garland to have a hearing, they're going to jam through this. Well, if that's the game that they're going to play, then we are going to respond in kind. There will be a number of people who will want Biden uh, to, to, to say that he is for uh, the court expansion. Uh, I don't know how many people, I, I've not seen data on this, and maybe you have, would consider that such a breach of norms that, that, that they would vote against Biden or they would be very upset uh, about that. But it is very difficult 
for him to dance around it the way that he has. He initially indicated that he would, might support it. Then he's, he, he became neutral on it and said it's a legitimate question. He's going to be pressed on that. And, and it's going to be interesting, again, as you say, presumably he'll have uh, something to say that's prepared. But let's see how well he executes it under pressure from Trump and Wallace. That's right. My suggestion on Twitter, John, was that he say not anything defamatory about the nominee. He only say that the majority of the American people uh, voted for the Democrat last time. He believes that they will vote for him this time and the Electoral College will favor him and that the people deserve a nominee who represents them. I, I mean, I think if he says that, even without explicitly embracing or rejecting court expansion, that it would resonate with people. Um, I, whether he will find the words to do that, like you say, it's an open question. But if he, it was largely ignored that Hillary Clinton won 3 million more votes and the judiciary is being stacked with people who represent not just probably a minority in the people who voted for Trump, but a minority of the people who voted for Trump. Um, so that maybe a tactic he could use. What do you think of that? I, I think it's possible. Uh, again, I, I have given up after uh, uh, 35 years almost of covering politics and trying to uh, um, predict what will resonate and, and what won't. Some things that I thought would resonate did not and vice versa. So I'm just, I'm just not sure. I don't think this is the easiest issue for Biden to finesse, no matter what he says. And uh, remember, uh, if he starts doing what he likes to do, which is talk about his experience in the Senate, and when I was there, we did this, that brings him right back to his chairmanship of the Judiciary Committee during one of the most controversial confirmation hearings ever and the Anita Hill issue. And he doesn't want to talk about that, I assure you. So uh, again, this is, this is not an issue that's that easy for Joe Biden to finesse, and he's not the kind of politician who finesses issues very much or very well, I think. And so I, I really think it's very unpredictable what he might say uh, on this, even if your suggestion is a good one for him or not. I just think it's almost impossible to predict how this will go, no matter how well prepared he is and no matter how brilliant his campaign strategists think they are for coming up with whatever message they give him. Finally, John, if Nevada goes in one direction, whether it's strongly for Trump or strongly for Biden, as a bellwether, even though it's a smaller state among the bellwethers, uh, do you think that will be a signal that um, the election will be favored in other states by the candidate who, who won Nevada? Not sure of that. Um, uh, you know, it looked for a while during 2016 that Nevada might decide the election until the until the blue wall fell uh, for 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 Hillary Clinton. Um, I, I do think that if Trump were to win Nevada by a sizable margin, which, by the way, I think is highly unlikely, that will mean that he is getting uh, reelected. But if Trump were to squeak by in Nevada, I don't think that tells us uh, that much. If Biden were to win Nevada and win it substantially, you, you know, Obama won uh, Nevada by double digits uh, uh, in, in 2008 and then by six or seven points 
in, in 2012 when, when he won. Uh, I think if Biden gets up to, to um, six, seven points or more in Nevada, that will probably mean uh, that he's defeating Trump. John Ralston of the Nevada Independent, thanks so much for your insight today. My pleasure.